Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everybody. It is Nick Bradley, and welcome back to another episode of Scale Up Your Business and another amazing interview. In fact, we are back today with the Chat with Titans series. Now, these are the interviews that I've been doing most recently on Clubhouse. Now, I'm not going to go into Clubhouse and say how great Clubhouse is, blah, blah, blah. I've done all that. You're sick of it, I know. But what is cool is you do get to get on stage with amazing people, sometimes your heroes. And today, I'm delighted to say that our guest on Chat with Titans is one such person. So today we have David Meltzer on the show. Now, if you haven't heard of David, he's sometimes likened to Tom Cruise's character in the film Jerry Maguire because his background is a prolific sports agent in that world doing really cool stuff um, for a number of years. But these days he has a bigger mission and it's his life's work to empower over a billion people to be happy. Something very simple but very powerful and it's been an incredible journey where he has focused on one thing, and that is value. In fact, his his kind of call to action, if you like, or his, his byline is make a lot of money, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun. And I love the power behind that as much as I do the simplicity. Now, before we kick off on the episode and you get to meet David, um, and a confession, a confession to make. David actually was interviewed by me about 12 months ago. He came on Scale Up Your Business. We had a powerful conversation, one of the most memorable conversations I've had since I've been doing this thing. And at the end, it was great. You know, I thanked him and everything else like that. And I was doing my sort of post-production sound checking and all the bits and pieces, and I just couldn't find the episode. And I'm looking on Zoom where we recorded it. I'm looking in all my setup. I'm looking everywhere. I just could not find the recording. I'm panicking. And long story short, I wish it was a mechanical failure, but it was human error. I effectively didn't correctly press the record button. Simple and as painful as that is, that is the truth of the matter. It's the only time in 150, 160 episodes where that has happened. But it's funny, right? Sometimes these painful experiences turn into something quite wonderful. And there's a little bit of serendipity and strangeness in this whole thing. Because what happened after that is I apologized even said I'd fly out to meet David somewhere in the US and and basically make amends. And, you know, COVID hit and, of course, that wasn't a possibility. But the cool thing is I met him. I met um, a guy called Todd Armstrong who works with him and his, his podcast agency. And over the last 12 months, uh, both David and Todd have helped me guest on over 60 other podcasts across the world, particularly in North America, where I've been able to share my message and build my brand. And it's funny, I think back sometimes, it was painful at the time, but would that opportunity have presented itself had this not happened? Who knows? But I had the opportunity on Clubhouse to make amends, as I said, and have David have the conversation again. So that's it. I thought I thought you enjoyed the background. Um, you're going to love this. David is just a powerhouse, an amazing guy. So welcome to Scale Up Your Business. David Meltzer. 
Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. This is Nick Bradley here again with an amazing interview. In fact, an interview that has been long in the waiting <laughs> because the, my guest today, Mr. David Meltzer, has actually been on the podcast previously. He happens to have the glorious title of the only person in 150 episodes where we had a recording malfunction. So <laughs> I'm super grateful, David, for you uh, giving your time again to listen to this crazy Australian ask you a few questions. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I always say everything happens for a reason. So it's just pushing us to a better interview and more and more enlightenment that would have occurred back then. Well, you know what's interesting, and I will call this out as we start off, is that happened, and um, I reached out to a few of your people, and then we connected together again through um, Todd Armstrong. And I have to thank you in front of everybody here, because um, through that relationship, uh, I've now been on, I think, 40 to 45 podcasts myself as a guest, and it's been transformational for the stuff that I'm trying to do with my mission and uh, my business as well. So thank you very much for that. That's what we're here for, elevating others to elevate ourselves. And we're blessed to have such a great podcast agency that Todd runs uh, to help people like you get the great interviews and to share your message. Fantastic. Well, the, the room here is filling up. So just for context, because obviously this is going live in Clubhouse right now, plus it is going to be an episode of Scale Up Your Business. We've got quite a few people coming in here. So let's get going. David, I remember when we first spoke, we first met, I asked about your mission and asked about your story. So do you want to kind of give a bit of back, um, back history, if you like, for people? Um, because a lot of people sort of say that there's a parallel between what you've done and Jerry Maguire, which I'm not sure if that's offensive <laughs> to you or not, but it'd be great to hear your story. Thank you. Yeah, sure. For first, my mission, and it's an evolution of a mission, is to empower over a billion people to be happy. So I'm looking for a thousand people like you, Nick, and others in here uh, that I can teach values and daily practices from my journey, the dummy tax that I've paid. Uh, to facilitate empowering others, to empower others, to be happy. So a thousand people can empower a thousand people to empower another thousand, a thousand times a thousand, a million, a million times a thousand, a billion. I'm really trying to change the world through a collective consciousness of understanding how do we make more money, help more people, and have more fun with our lives. In other words, creating happiness for all, an abundant world. And so my journey is from a world of not enough. Uh, I was born in a world where I was a victim. Everything happened to me. My dad left when I was five. I had a single mom with six kids who worked every hour of the day, two jobs as a second grade teacher, came home, packed our dinners in a paper bag, shoved us into a station wagon and filled up turnstiles with greeting cards at convenience stores. And yet, although there was financial stress almost always of how we're going to pay for things if they broke or how we're going to pay for food or a place to live, I was super happy, but I lived in this world of not enough. It was why not me? Why me? Why? And, and I gathered this scarce energy that everything was about money, that if I could just be rich, I could buy my mom a house and a car and I would have complete happiness, that it would take me from this scarce world of not enough and bring me into the world you know, of this unbelievable perception I had of happiness and love that would be created by financial success. So uh, the disadvantage of that is that the energy, the scarce energy, uh, created all types of fear-based emotions in my life, interferences, voids, and shortages. But the good part about it is, is that it taught me uh, to enjoy 
the consistent everyday persistent without quit pursuit of my own potential. And because I had one objective, I kept my options open. I was really good at deciphering and focusing and having clarity on what I wanted. Although the scarcity uh, had to uh, work its way out of the system. And so I went uh, to law school to be rich, ended up having two job offers, one to be an oil and gas litigator, the other, was simply to sell legal research online in 1992. Uh, learned a valuable lesson as my mom told me the internet was a fad and I should never take that job as a sales rep. I decided that just because my mom loves me doesn't mean she gives me good advice. That although she has great advice about other things that she knows about, that business was not one of them. So I ended up taking that job nine months out of law school, became a millionaire, then uh, ended up in an exit of that company in 1995 with $3.4 billion, went to the Silicon Valley. By the time I was 30, everything in my life reaffirmed that money buys love and happiness. I'd moved from a scarce world of not enough to a world of just enough, just enough for me. Uh, very, many people live in this world. They buy things they don't need. If they're not happy, they buy more things or different things. If they're not happy, they buy things to impress people. If they're still not happy, they even buy things to impress people they don't like. Uh, and I was living in that world. I was running Samsung's phone division, uh, the world's first smartphone in 1999. Uh, it was called a convergence device. It was a Windows device. But uh, I had everything I ever dreamed of, except for ironically one thing. I wasn't happy. And uh, through that journey, I started to surround myself with the wrong people, the wrong ideas. I got a job as CEO of the most notable sports agency in the world, Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. And that's uh, the firm in which they based the movie Jerry Maguire off of. Uh, and from the outside, I should have been the happiest person in the world, married to my dream girl that I met in the fourth grade who hated me until I made money, uh, you know, lived in my dream house. I had cars, a golf course, a ski mountain, 33 homes. It was ridiculous, but I was unhappy and empty. And uh, I learned some valuable lessons about that relationship with money uh, I used to think money bought love and happiness, and I realized that it just allowed me to shop. And I was shopping for the wrong things. And I ended up being bankrupt uh, as I ran Lee Steinberg in 2008, lost over $100 million. And for me, uh, Nick, that's where my life really began, the great transformation, the shift uh, into the last 16 years of a world of more than enough of everything for everyone, an abundant world in which I live in today. I mean, that's the second time now I've heard that. And every time I hear it, you know, it's, 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 it's incredible. I mean, there's, there, I think we said when we first met, there's parallels with what I went through. I went through a private equity, you know, lots of money, um, lots of perceived success, you know, cars, you know, houses, everything, right? But I was in a very similar place. The question I want to ask you before we kind of go into the transformation is, did, you know, when you said you went bankrupt, did, did you sabotage that? Did you think that there was like you were unhappy, so you made that, you, you contributed to that, or were there other circumstances around it? Oh, I think absolutely. Number one, I learned accountability, uh, which means I am accountable for everything in my life. I attracted it to myself, and the only question I need to ask is what am I supposed to learn? See, I learned pain is not a stop sign to me. That bankruptcy was not a stop sign. It was a turn signal. Uh, and it was telling me that I had a better place, a better situation to be in if I could learn the lesson, right? Pain's an indicator of a lesson to learn. And so my entire mindset changed. It, you can't just lose over $100 million overnight. So 
I had self-sabotaged myself with ego-based consciousness. Uh, and ego meaning not just narcissistic behavior, but, you know, the need to be offended and separate, inferior, superior, anxious, not worthy, guilty, resentful, um, inferior. Uh, all of these different ego-based consciousnesses that I've created daily practices to help people spend minutes and moments in fear, not days, weeks, months, and years like I did. Um, but absolutely, I take complete accountability, 100% of what happened to me and still what happens to me, I'm accountable for. And now the only difference is I have a mindset and a heart set that I'm excited to learn the lessons. I am excited when I see pain because I know it's going to indicate that I have uh, expansion, growth, and acceleration to end up in a better place in my life. And what happens? I mean, this is I love this 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 story again because again, everyone listening into this either here live on Clubhouse or, or um, you know on the podcast episode when it launches is going to get a lot just from this because I think a lot of people go through this but don't really understand how to how to make that transition. Before we get into that, how how was the relationship with your family at that point? The point before you you realized that you may, needed to make this shift. You know, it's so interesting because I, I pick out three things that happened with my family uh, that will show everyone a journey and hopefully it'll be synergistic or at least supplementary to something that you have felt or thought in your life. Uh, when I was 30 years old, uh, I received a birthday present from my dad. Now I hadn't talked to my dad very much in the last 20 years, ever since he forgot my birthday when I was 10 and told me that he didn't believe in birthdays. In other words, I realized he was a liar, a cheater, a manipulator, overseller, and a backend seller. I knew that he forgot my birthday. I knew he celebrated the birthdays of himself and his girlfriends and all my siblings. So I knew he was lying, but he gave me a birthday present at 30 and uh, I opened it, put it on. It was a beautiful custom made sport coat. And I started to cry. And my wife looked at me. We've been married just a few months. And she said, what's the matter? I said, I think my dad gets it. I have dreamed for 20 years to have a relationship with my father. And I think he finally gets it. He's apologizing to me and giving me this beautiful jacket. And as I opened it up to see if it said, you know, especially made for David's 30th birthday or Armani or something, he had torn all the lining out of the jacket. He had torn all the pockets out. And I was enraged. I couldn't believe it. I was crying. I was mad. I called him, screamed at him. How dare you? How dare you punish me on my 30th birthday after 20 years? You're going to give me a jacket I can't even wear. And he's like, whoa, 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 slow down. That jacket's not for wearing. I said, what do you mean it's not for wearing? He goes, Dave, that jacket is to hang in your closet to remind you that you're just like me. Money does not buy happiness. I want you to learn from the mistakes that I've made. Please, you, you have to understand, you're just like, and I just couldn't understand. I just said, I'm nothing like you. You're a liar, a cheater, manipulator, overseller, back-end seller. I hate you. And he said, you hate me? He said, David, you can't be the richest man in the cemetery. You can't take anything with your, when you're gone. Just hang it in your closet. Remind yourself about what's important, what your non-negotiables in life are. I hung up on him. Six years later, I was running Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, and I was so excited because I had access to everything and everyone. I had more money than I ever dreamed of. I could go to the Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl, the Masters, Kentucky Derby, the Breeders' Cup, the ESPYs, Emmys, Oscars, Grammys, anywhere I wanted to go. I could go with the greatest celebrities, athletes, entertainers, millionaires, billionaires, and entrepreneurs. It wouldn't matter. And so I wanted to share that with one of my best friends, my friend Rob, who actually 
asked my wife at sixth grade camp to go steady with me for me. Uh, and she said, no, tell him to ask me himself. And he embarrassed me, which is why I threw the egg at my wife. It's why my wife hated me for 20 years. Uh, but anyway, Rob, I wanted him to go to the Masters with me. We were going to go to the cabins with Curtis Strange. We were going to go hang out at the NetJet parties with Wayne Gretzky and Joe Montana and the amazing heroes in my life. And so I asked Rob, Rob, you got to go with me. And he looked at me and he said, Dave, I'm not going. I said, what do you mean you're not going? He goes, I don't like what you're doing and who you hang out with. And you were talking about self-sabotage. Everyone in my life allowed me to continue this behavior that was self-sabotaging, that was spiraling all my values. My mom, my wife, everybody was giving me yes as an answer. There's a terrific book, by the way, by Hertz that says, don't take yes for an answer. It's like an autobiography of myself because my entire previous decade or more was spent with everyone telling me how generous, great I was. You know, I believe the more I gave, the more I would receive and all these other things that led me to think that I was better or bigger than I really was, not Rob. Rob simply said, don't like it. Don't like who you are or what you're doing. And so I said, Rob, I'm not doing those things. Those guys are doing them. Come with me. He said, David, you can lie to me, but don't lie to yourself. That shook me to the core. I went home crying. I couldn't believe the truth. And I knew it was the truth. Two weeks later, my life would change forever. I told my wife I was going to go to the Grammy Awards with a rapper named Little John, and we were going to go to the Grammy Awards, and my wife told me that I should not go, that I'm not paying attention to my family, I'm not paying attention to my business, I'm drinking and doing things I shouldn't be doing way too much, can I just stay home with the family and not go? So I lied to her, I went to the Grammys, changed clothes in the car, I came home at 5.30 in the morning, a complete wreck, and there she was waiting for me waiting to change my life. No longer was she giving me yes as an answer. In fact, she told me she wasn't happy, that she was going to leave me, that I needed to take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become. I wish I was ready to hear it, but I wasn't. I screamed at her. I said, how dare you? Look around you. Who do you think provided all that? You have a nanny in this room. You have a Ferrari in that garage, a Porsche in this. Are you kidding me? Who do you think you're talking to? You come from nothing. Are you kidding me? And I went to bed and I woke up in the morning with that same perception that money buys love and happiness. So I was going to take it from her. I was thinking about what divorce lawyer to call so I could take everything that she had and all of it with it. And then I looked over in my closet and there it was, that jacket. That jacket was staring at me. And I just remember thinking to myself as I looked at that jacket, holy shit, I don't hate my father. I don't hate my wife. I hate myself. I'm the liar. I'm the cheater. I'm the overseller, back-end seller, and manipulator. I hate myself. And that's when I started to take inventory of my values. I started to take stock in who I was, what I wanted to become. Two years before I lost everything, I started my transformation to understand how to live your life with the key values and daily practices in order to spend minutes and moments in these ego-based consciousness that will create interference, voids, and shortages with what you already have. You already are healthy. You already are wealthy. You are already happy. We just have to determine what's creating the interference between what we already are. And that was the lesson that my family and friends gave me that helped through me 
to transform into a world of more than enough of everything for everyone. Wow, <clears throat> man, I love the story. <laughs> I keep saying that, but you know, the way you tell the story and the way it kind of hits, as I said, the parallels in my life, that's probably why I connect with it so much. In terms of the transformation piece, there must have been a period of time where this was confusing for you, right? Where all this stuff's going on, as you said beforehand, it took you know one of your best friends to probably start to start to get that into your head. How did you how did you get into understanding what your mission was from this point? Did you have any help, or did you just have to work on yourself? What was the external stimulus that allowed you to to really start to do what you're doing now? Well, the first thing was I made a decision to change. Right, I think so many people try to help people that aren't ready to be helped because they don't want to be helped. They don't want to change. So I think the conscious choice of opening up and saying, I want to change. I don't want to be a liar, a cheater, an overseller, a back-end seller, manipulator. I don't want to be unhappy anymore, and I'm going to do what it takes. And all of a sudden, what I paid attention to, plus what I give intention to, started to create coincidences in my life. I call that the mathematical equation of luck. And so I started to pay attention to the right things. I started to give my intentions to the right things. I started to take inventory of my values and create daily practices and understand why and how these ego-based emotions would create the interferences, voids, and shortages in my life. And there was a conflict. There was a conflict between two currencies. One, the currency of money, which was obvious in my life. It's an object of energy you put into the flow to get what you want. But I had to blend in a new currency, one that I had resisted for years and years. And that currency is faith. Faith is an object of energy that I put into the flow to get what I want. And I started saying, instead of me making things happen, that I was going to be happy where I was. That I do everything that I could. I call it the law of Goya. John Asaroff taught me that. Getting off my ass, angling to what I want, everything I could, enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential, to have faith that I'd end up somewhere better. And once I started working on the blends of those currency, a temperance of hot and cold, to be able to blend the currency of money and shift my paradigm in relationship to money, to not where I give to receive, but instead have full confidence and intention to receive so I can give. Money no longer buys me love or happiness, but it's still important. I have a mantra, make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun because you can't give what you don't have. And what money does for me is it allows me to shop. And what I need to do and what I've learned to do is to shop for the right things. Not the things I don't need, not the things to impress people I don't like, but the things that come through me in this world are more than enough for others. No longer will things happen to me or for me. They happen through me for others, which set me forth as a catalyst into the mission of empowering others, then to get the clarity later on in life to empower others, to empower others to be happy, knowing that happiness is the greatest virus. It'll strengthen us physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. It'll even strengthen our immune systems. And too many people look past the simplicity of the universe to understand that all we need to do is put forth the best that we have with faith that will end up somewhere better, and we will be happy. So you pretty much enrolled me on that journey. As we, as we opened up Thank you. the conversation. So I'm part of that now, which is fantastic. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. What, looking back at what you've created now, and obviously we want to jump into what you're going to create in the future. How do you feel 
I mean, because you've you've been on this journey for a while now, and there's been a lot of people you've helped. What what are the feelings, the emotions that come to you when you look and see how you've transitioned and what you've created to this point? Well, the majority of the time, I feel happy. I have experienced fulfillment, passion, purpose, and profitability. I am blessed to have so many seeds that I planted over the last 16 years. Seeds under trees I may have never even seen. There's so many wonderful people out there, you know, with especially the mentoring and coaching I've been able to do. I had one of the young guys the other day, he has a brand new home and two children and he's married and Rancho Santa Fe and he invited me over and I just started to cry at the door. Uh, because it was just overwhelming the impact that you can have, that you can empower others to empower others, you can elevate others to elevate yourself, that living in a world confidently of abundance. And I have two words, uh, Nick, that really have helped me beyond thank you. You know, I spent years teaching people to say thank you before they go to bed and when they wake up. I still tell people it's the easiest way to change your life. 0.1 seconds and it's free. Say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up. I guarantee your life will change. Every big thought leader that I work with, every metaphysics, quantum physics, physics uh, solution out there will tell you gratitude will do that for you. But beyond thank you, the two words, radical humility. Uh, I feel humbled. I feel humbled that I don't know that I don't know. I feel humbled. I live with rule number six from the Xander's book. I don't take myself so seriously. I live in radical humility that I ask for help every day in person on the phone via email and social media. And because I am capable of asking for help, because I know the easiest way to get to where I want to be is to find someone that's already there and ask him for directions. Because I can do that, I'm capable of helping more people. And, uh, you know, radical humility is an extraordinary way to spend minutes and moments unhappy every day and spend the rest of your time making money, helping people and having fun. Okay, excellent. I'm just going to ask if any of the moderators on stage have a question for David. I have a couple more. I'm conscious of your time and appreciative of that. Does anyone on the stage have a question? If you have, just flash your mics. Okay, I'm going to go to Sahail and I'm going to come back and just ask you a couple of last questions, David. So, Sahail, do you want to ask your question to David? Yeah, sure. Hi, David. Um, you've done some amazing things, and uh, I'm going to ask you just one question. This is uh, the same question that I've asked people like Jay Abraham, Ty Lopez, and Grant Cardone. And that question is, if you could go back and change just one thing, what would that one thing be and why? For me, it's easy. I, I would change my fear of asking for help. And I know I just spoke about that, but, uh, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so many people think of everyone around me, especially I did when I was young, that everybody was a gatekeeper, that somehow I had to waste my energy going over, under, through, around. And all I had to do was ask for help. If I just would have changed my mindset to see people not as gatekeepers, but as sponsors and power sponsors of mine, to realize that a tree truly has no branches. One branch would not go to war against another branch. Everyone out there is not out there to stop me from getting what I want. And that all I had to look for was people with open minds because it takes as much energy to re-engineer a closed mind as it does a thousand open minds. And if I could utilize a mindset of finding open minds, attracting open minds, having like-minded open minds around me, people become sponsors and power sponsors, which means that everyone around me, everyone surrounds me, everyone 
one that's attracted to me either can help me or know somebody that can help me or they can help me and they know someone that can help me. So if I could take my back to my 18, 28, 38 or 48 year old self, I'd simply remind myself of radical humility that the best way to get to where I need to be is to ask for help and directions from someone that's already there. Thanks, David. That was amazing. Who, not how. (laughs) <laughs> which is one of the most uh, probably the biggest transitions I've had who can help not how can I do it you know and and who yeah. and how can I add value to other people that you know that opens up that that ability if you like that that feeling um that um you know I I can the, the sort of scarcity mindset piece that we've spoken about previously that you know you feel that you are worthy enough for that as well what I'd like to do just to finish off David this is cool is just ask you two more questions Who's who? You've interviewed some amazing people um, on your podcast. You've you've had some fantastic mentors, coaches yourself. Is there one person or one situation that you can remember that's had the most transformational change in you? It could be it could be someone who's mentored you. It could be a situation that you've been in and, and you just remember it and you think that's a real trigger for me. You know there is, and it's a an interesting person that came to me for me to represent them. And and the man's name is he's not well known, but his name is Doctor and Master Shaw S H A, and he's a mind and body and soul transmission healer, uh, twenty year grand master Reiki, Jigong, and this you know healer. And he came to me and he said, Dave, nobody understands what I do can you represent me and maybe get me some hall of famers to allow me to heal them and we'll record it. And then people will believe in what I can do. Well, I didn't believe in what he could do. And it was a job to me. I I thought, yeah, I can market this person and, you know, do the PR and make the introductions. And as we went through, uh, you know, he traces calligraphies and just an extraordinary way outside of where my beliefs were. And, through representing him and seeing how he healed unbelievable, you know, people with cancer and chronic injuries and how the hall of famers wouldn't allow him to use the videos because although he healed them, they thought that people would think they were crazy. For me, I learned the most uh, working with master and Dr. Shaw because he taught me that I don't know what I don't know, that there are powers that we have there is an interference that we create that goes far beyond our imagination and that we have to learn to expand that imagination. And especially now, and I'm going to take this down to a business sense uh, for everyone, we cannot fathom the size, scope, and scale of the access that we have. We cannot fathom the size, scope, and scale of the audience and the access that we have to the audience, to time, to space. We cannot fathom it. And if we pursue the understanding and allow ourselves to practice the muscle of refocusing, expansion, acceleration, and growth through imagination, through inspiration, we will be amazed by the things that we can have in our lives effortlessly. And this man, Master and Dr. Shaw, changed the way that I looked at everything. And from then on, the things I looked at, as uh, Wayne Dyer always says, the things I looked at changed. And he had the most impact in my life. And I will tell you, out of all the people that came for me to represent them, I literally thought he was the craziest when I met him. And now I think he's the greatest master I've ever studied under. Okay, awesome. All right, well, one last question for you, David, before we finish up. A lot of people have gone through a pretty challenging 12 months 
Um, there's a light at the end of the tunnel for a lot of businesses and, and people who are trying to kind of almost catch up a little bit. What's the best piece of advice you could give for people now as we're coming into 2021 in terms of how they can think about their business, think about their life and, and really think about how they can you know, make the most of what's in front of them? Sure. Take inventory. Take inventory of your capabilities, especially. Take inventory of your values. Find out you know, and take inventory of what skills you have today, what knowledge of what and who, and what your desires are. Know your what, then know your who, then know your how, then know your now, and then know your why. But if you take inventory of your capabilities and you align them, see which ones are synergistic or supplementary to what's doing well today, what's stable today, or what you think will be doing well after the pandemic, you'll find that the statistical success, the efficiency that you have, the effectiveness of what you have control of, which is number one, your mindset, number two, your heart set of how you feel, and then three, having control of what you think, say, do, believe, and even the unconscious competencies, your personality traits, your characteristics, your obsessions and addictions. You have control of all three of those. And when we take inventory of our values with gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration, daily practices of you know knowing what we want, knowing who has it, knowing how to get it, knowing now to stay present and to ask ourselves and prioritize by what's important, not what's urgent. And then finally, knowing our why by getting out of our own way and practicing ending fear by identifying what we're afraid of, by stopping and dropping to our center and rolling in the right trajectory, by knowing all of those things and practicing our values, we can have control and accelerate what we want and be happy by making a lot of money and helping a lot of people. Well, David Meltzer, I can promise you I have record pressed this time. (laughs) (laughs) And I just want to thank you for giving up your time yet again to come on Scale Up Your Business. And not only that, to obviously help as many people. We've had about 150, 160 people in the crowd here in Clubhouse tonight. Um, I'm sure they would have loved the opportunity to ask questions, but we can obviously bring you back into one of our big rooms uh, in the future, David, if you're up for that, and we can kind of do a proper Q&A with the audience. How does that sound? I would love to do that, and I hope I was better the second time, and I hope I'm better the third time as well. It's always great, mate. It's always great. So thanks very much for coming on the show. I know you've got to go, and uh, yeah, fantastic to see you again. Fantastic. Thank you, everyone. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. And there you have it, another episode of Scale Up Your Business. Thank you very much for listening. And if you haven't yet, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the show become even better. And while you're there, make sure you hit that subscribe button to help you on your scale up journey. Now, perhaps you're thinking of growing and scaling your business. Perhaps now is the time. If that's you, then please check out suyb.global. That's where we have all of our programs, including the Growth Accelerator Partnership, the Maximize Value Partnership, all of our services, and of course, coaching and mentoring. Once again, be grateful, be brave, have faith, and show up. Until next time.